Welcome to Blogs on Tape. Today's post is Dice Clocks, written by Smjorgen and originally published on their blog Department 5 at departmentv.net. Dice Clocks. This is inspired by three different systems. Hit dice in Geoff McKinney's Carcosa, progress clocks in Blades in the Dark and Apocalypse World, and the catch in Hollow Point. This is how combat works in Carcosa. First, the hit dice are rolled when the combat starts, on both sides. Second, when damage is dealt, it comes off each die, starting with the highest. Third, if the monsters go down first, the combat is won. If a PC's hit dice go down before that, they've been reduced to zero hit points. In Carcosa, the dice shape is randomly determined, so you could be rolling d4 or d12. I prefer Necropraxis stabilized hit dice, where all the dice are d6 all the time. Dice Clocks So, for a more general application, any time there's a threat or obstacle, throw down a pool of dice representing that obstacle that the players have to knock down. The players also have their own pool of dice, and if those get knocked out, they take the consequences. Dice clocks are progress bars. They make sense when you want to track an extended action, making your way through a castle, picking a lock, ingratiating yourself to the locals. Or note the change in a global state the alert state of the castle increasing, which will cause problems. They also make sense when there's something competing with the PCs. Example, when the PCs are trying to stay hidden, they're also trying to complete their mission in the shortest possible time. It may make sense to have only the GM having a clock, or the players only having a clock. This would work a lot like clocks in Blades in the Dark, with about as many permutations. Examples. When the PCs are infiltrating a castle, they have a collective pool for their stealth. Blow a stealth roll, and the clock goes down. When they have no dice left, the castle is on alert. When the party are trying to investigate a set of murders and stop the murderer before they strike again, they are trying to knock down the GM's pool, which represents how well the murderer is hidden. The GM rules that they roll once per night, and if they haven't cleared the pool in three nights, there will be another killing. A PC is undercover at a party, trying to seduce an NPC. Both the GM and the player have a pool of dice, and if the GM's pool goes down first, then the PC succeeds. If the PC's pool is knocked out, they get booted out of the party. The stealth and combat examples are fairly narrowly defined. The others are a bit broader, abstract and freeform, e.g. the murder enquiry would traditionally be a constructed investigation with a trail of clues, Cthulhu, etc., but in this case the players are rolling to get a clue, and the GM is making up the clues as a response to the dice results. Using the dice like this mean that more than one kind of roll can be used to knock down the clock, if you want to play like that. Both stealth, dexterity, and misdirection, social roles, can be used to avoid detection in an infiltration or heist. 
just be clear on what skill rolls will affect what clocks. How do dice get knocked down? First, by rolling a success. In a d20 system, if the PCs are attacking the GM's dice pool, they knock out a number on the dice equal to the margin of their success. So a 17 versus a target of 12 knocks out 5 points on the GM's dice. Second, by failing. If the PCs are rolling to keep their cover and they fail, their dice pool goes down by the margin of failure. E.g. rolling 8 versus a target of 12 means they go down by 4. This system works with both roll over and roll under. If it's roll under, the margins of success have the potential to be big, and the margins of failure are limited by the maximum on the dice, d20. Just as in aw and bit d, the clocks can be knocked down by more than one kind of action, encouraging teamwork. If the team were working together in a heist, they might overcome the bank's defenses with a combination of subterfuge, stealth, technical know-how, and even brute force. All qualifying actions count for knocking down the dice clock. Using the clock like this injects a bit of narrative woo into the typical d20-style games, if you like that sort of thing. When the clocks are rolled, the GM should, normally, be clear and upfront about what the GM's dice mean, what the player's dice pools, or collective dice pool, mean, and what actions will result in pools being under attack. E.g., for combat, the only thing that can knock each side's dice down are direct attacks. Some permutations. Change the die shape. Only allow one die to be knocked out in one action. Except, perhaps, for certain types of actions by certain classes. E.g., the fighter can knock out a second die if they have excess points. Or, on criticals, knock out two dice, whatever happens. You could also set all dice to 1. This system could eliminate separate damage rolls. Instead, use the margin between the target and the actual number rolled as the damage inflicted. So a roll of 15 versus an AC of 12 is 3 points of damage. Between combat or stressful situation, hit dice come back. The rate of return depends on the GM and healing rules. If the dice come back, it will be more cinematic. It makes sense if no dice come back, because that's luck, or if all the dice come back, because it's experience. Hit Dice HD are a combination of experience, capacity for fatigue, will to survive, and luck. They can go down without causing a problem until you hit zero. Traditionally, they're just used to track personal and physical hurt. With a broader interpretation, they're the character's safety net in any situation. Why not use hit dice in social situations, or infiltration, or magical duels, etc.? Doing so requires a couple of changes. If HD are a more general resource, how are wounds dealt? How do characters die? If you have a class-based system, how do you make sure the fighter can take more punishment in a fight than the magic user? especially if you're rolling the same shape dice for everyone. Consequences Going beyond death, or dismemberment, the MC moves from Apocalypse World are good for some ideas about consequences when the dice clock goes down to zero. 1. Deal harm I like the idea of applying damage directly to stats, the classic traveler way. Optionally, require some kind of saving throw to avoid permanent injury or death. This would mean healing spells work a little differently. 
Two, announce future badness, or make a mental note of some complication for later use. Three, shut off a course of action, e.g. stealthy action, seduction, research. Four, take something away, a skill, an item, magic, contacts, either temporarily or permanently. Character classes. How many dice for each character class? If this were combat only, you could start fighters with three dice, rogues with two, and mages with only one. Another way to do it, start everyone with a base number of hit dice, say two, increasing with level, but each class has extra dice in certain circumstances. Fighters get two extra dice in combat every time, so even if they're down on their hit dice, they will start any new combat with two new dice right there. Other classes don't get that. Similarly, mages get two extra dice in psychic or magical combat every time. Rogues could get two extra dice for social situations, or they could have a floating pool of one-use dice that other classes don't have. Permutations. In no particular order, here are some other permutations of dice clocks. Pooling hit dice for a global check. If teamwork is needed, the party can pool their dice together into one big pool, representing a common action, e.g. stealth. If this happens, make sure everyone who's in the group rolls dice. Those characters who are bad at stealth actions should be a liability and knock everyone's clock down. More than one clock. If you have more than one threat clock, use two different colors of dice. Obviously, this would work if the party were, say, fighting a whole bunch of goblins and one powerful sorcerer. The Dice Horde. For combat, the GM can roll one big pool of dice to represent a horde of monsters. Just decide how many attacks or actions that horde can take at one time. Clock Priority and Interference. When the dice are rolled, highest numbers are knocked down first. So, if you roll a 6, a 4, and a 3, the 6 needs to go down before you tackle the other two. You could use this rule to create interference. In the above example, if the goblin's hit dice are higher than the sorcerer's, that means they're getting in the way, and the party must deal with them first before they can knock the sorcerer down. This could also be used for the party. Let's say all the players put down a separate group of dice for each character. Even if the fighter should be in the front line, if the magic user has a higher hit die, then they might cop an attack first. Offset this by letting the fighter actively sacrifice their dice to protect the magic user. The Sacrifice Sacrifice one of your own dice to protect someone, say, prevent a consequence landing on another character, or to do something cool, maybe even a narrative control mechanic. Bid your dice like poker chips. The ability to sacrifice under certain conditions could be class-dependent, fighters to protect, rogues to do stunts, etc. Staged Events If you have stages of effects, say, stages of alert during an infiltration, where at certain points something happens, the guard is doubled, the score is moved to the vault, etc., represent with two different colors of dice in the two pools. When all your orange dice get knocked down, that's a stage one event. When the purple dice are gone too, that's a stage two event. This process probably doesn't work with the interference option, however. The pools are knocked down sequentially. Dice in the open. By default, roll the dice on the table and let the players see them and decide how to handle them. Be clear about what those dice represent. 
how close the guards are to sounding the alarm, luck running out in a chamber full of traps with pressure pads, etc. Hidden dice. If you keep dice back, it should be because there's something the PCs haven't seen yet that you want to keep track of. Roll that dice clock behind a GM screen or something. Final remarks. I'm not sure yet if this system has legs or if it's another fantasy heartbreaker. Certainly running OSR combat Carcosa style but with stabilized hit dice has a couple of benefits. One, the dice on the table are a stake and something nice and tactile, and two, bookkeeping is easier with low integers. Appendix. Summaries. Provided for content in case the reader isn't familiar with the various sources. Carcosa handles hit dice like this. At the start of any given combat, randomly determine your dice shape, d4 to d12. Then roll that many dice and leave them on the table. Damage then comes off each die, starting with the highest. And at the end of combat, lasting harm is counted in the number of dice you're down. The benefits of doing it this way are, it frames the combat and puts something physical on the table, like Lace and Steel's dueling minigame. It reminds the player and GM that something is at stake right now, and it keeps lasting wounds between combat in low numbers, which is tidier. Otherwise, it doesn't change much, function-wise. If you don't care for the dice randomness, there's a post on Necropraxis called Stabilizing Carcosa's Hit Dice, which suggests flattening this out to d6s for everyone. Blades in the Dark expands on Apocalypse World's clocks for a wider range of situations, including danger, the clocks advance as the situation gets more dangerous, the PCs are at greater risk of detection, etc. Races, two clocks ticking down towards a common objective, use when it matters who gets there first. Mission counters, time-sensitive stuff, and tugs of war, one side advances the clock, the other winds it back, and so on. Interesting that John Harper doesn't use a personal clock to measure character damage, as is Apocalypse World's way. Note also that Harper uses the clock as a variable count, where zero represents the change of state, rather than having something happen at each segment per the advice in Baker's book. I love the concept of clocks, although I've never been satisfied with their explanation in Apocalypse World, and while Bitty's kickstart gives a lot of options, it doesn't give enough examples of play. It's not clear in either game whether the clocks are meant to be in view of the players. That would make sense, right? Otherwise, what's the point of ramping up the tension if the players don't feel it and take steps to address it? But Apocalypse World is clear that clocks are a prompt for the MC, not the players. Hollow Point is all about the dice. The core of the game is a dice conflict where matched sets of d6s are used to attack each other's dice pools. One of the mechanics is the catch, which is a pool of dice that represents mission objectives steal a thing, get some information, assassinate someone, etc., which can only be knocked out by one skill. That was Dice Clocks, read by Nick L.S. Whalen. Blogs on Tape is a project that seeks to make the OSR more accessible through audio recordings. If you'd like to help out by giving us access to your blog, reading a post yourself, or just pointing us toward a particularly good blog post you think deserves to be read, please get in touch with me by email. I can be reached at ls at paperspencils.com. Thank you for listening. <laughs>